The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America West Credit Union. The Chiefs win on Christmas. That's the show. And we're looking ahead as the Raiders are alive going forward. I'm with Eddie Pascal coming up. Lincoln Kennedy and Eddie, it was a glorious Christmas holiday as the Raiders went into the belly of the beast arrowhead and got the win. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it a lot, JT, but an important win, certainly in keeping your postseason hopes alive, but I think an important win in in the grand sense of what this means for this organization, what this means for the 2023 uh, Las Vegas Raiders, what this means for Antonio Pierce and the staff, uh, it really is kind of hard to overstate just how impressive a win this was and how important of a win it was for the Silver and Black. Yeah, you can't judge the Raiders much going forward without Kansas. Kansas City victories. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. They've brought in new regimes, new coaches, new players. And the top goal is trying to pull back Kansas City. Try to beat them. You're not going to sweep them. They're the the reigning champs. You want to be in both games. You want to split. You want to win them. And they were able to do that. And they dominated. They dominated that game on defense, and they put Mahomes and Kelsey into a spin wash where they were losing their minds. We'll get to that coming up. And they just had another signature win after the 63 points. So they're stacking wins, and these are legendary regular season wins of the history of the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, 100%. And I think your point is a good one, JT, about now this team stacking wins. And you can do it for a week, do it for two weeks, but we want to see excuse me, sustained success for this group. And I think the context of this win matters a lot a national audience on Christmas Day, going to a place in Kansas City you haven't won in a long time, and the way in which that this win happened, huge for this team, huge for this organization, huge for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, the media didn't think the Raiders had a chance. Kansas City didn't think the Raiders had a chance. Just the Raider Nation, the diehard fans of the Silver and Black, believed they could do it, and they were able to do it. As we look at the highlights of the game, and Max let them out, and this was going to be a big Max game. This is his game. Yeah. This is Mahomes and Netflix, the quarterback special, their rivalry there. And early on, as Mr. Al Davis said, the quarterback has to go down hard in the first five to ten plays. And that's what happened in the first three drives. They were able to put him down and then – we knew that Jones was going to be a beast yeah, and the Raiders was. would have to deal with him. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he certainly was. He was a trouble all day for the Raiders. But we talk about the the consistent pressure on Mahomes. And, man, this is a slippery guy. We see it week yeah. after week after week. But credit the entire defensive front for getting after him all uh, all Monday afternoon there. Yeah, and then we knew it was going to be a Zamir White game because Josh Jacobs was inactive in this game. And he ran hard. He was putting his shoulder in. And mm-hmm. if you watch, when we look at these highlights, as you're watching on YouTube and the other platforms, you'll see when he finishes, he finishes in a hard way. This was one of the best moves by Aiden O'Connell. Also, the back step to get a couple of more yards, but he, look right here, Eddie, he could have been sacked. I mean, boom. Jones was right in front of him. All he has to do just move two steps to the right or the left, extend the play. Yeah, I mean, certainly we'll talk about Aiden coming up here. Not not his best day, but, you know, Antonio Pierce said, hey, did what we asked him to do, and we talked about some of those little plays, like you said, stepping up, avoiding the pressure. That's exactly what he did, uh, and he put the Raiders in a position to win. Yeah, the pass to Jacoby was the best pass of the day. Tony Romo said that. It was good. And then, as they're trying to move the ball around and maybe have some motion and some tricks, this worked out well for Jacoby Myers. More times he gets, catches the ball or gets the ball, big things happen. Yeah, 
huge 2023 for Jacoby. I mean, he has been everything and then some that the Raiders expected him to be. And, I mean, explosive, dynamic, has, puts a lot of fun wrinkles into this he offense, does. and it was great to see. And they get on the board they had to here because, yeah. look at this, we're at the end of the first quarter, the Raiders controlled the game. They had all the momentum. All the momentum, and we've seen that movie before, 17 nothing at Arrowhead, 14 nothing at Allegiant Stadium, but we knew eventually Mahomes would wake up and go on a scoring drive. Yeah, and I think what was big, JT, we talked about the context of this win, but uh, the Raiders took the punches from the Chiefs. We knew, like to your point, we knew that Mahomes would get rolling and, and give this defense a particular credit because they stood up after every single punch and did what they needed to do. I'm not a big fan when the Raiders throw these sideline passes behind the line of scrimmage, but it works for Kansas City. Yeah. Kelsey with really the biggest damage that he did in the game here. And then a little wildcat as Pacheco's able to get in here. And, Eddie, I was with Eric Allen watching the game at this moment. I said, I can't believe this. We've dominated the game so far, and we're trailing. We're trailing in this game. But the Raiders didn't buckle here. The Raiders played hard the rest of the way. And then look, why is Kansas City getting cued here? Big boy touchdown. Up against their own end zone here. And Bilal Nichols, who had the safety against New England, has another signature play this year. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like the Chiefs are trying to outthink themselves a little bit, outsmart themselves a little bit. And and certainly the Raiders were the beneficiary to to, to this. And JT, this seven seconds, this is your ball game right here. I think the seven seconds back-to-back is the highlight of a very good defense this year, vastly improving. First play after that. Guess who it is? Jack Jones takes it to the house, and he chirps on the way in. Make sure Mahomes. <laughs> I love that. I wish he was mic'd on that play. Maybe he was. But Mahomes, this is not typical Mahomes. He didn't step into the ball. There was no pressure, and he threw it off of no feet. He jumped up. It was a jump pass it, there. I didn't get that. JT, I felt like there was a lack of conviction on yeah. a lot of things the Raiders, excuse me, not the Raiders, the Chiefs did offensively on Monday, and certainly the Raiders took full advantage of that. Well, they needed this two-point conversion because they missed the extra point on the bot snap or A.J. Cole not getting it down. This is an important moment of the game as you look at the score here. And the Raiders take a commanding. I thought it was commanding, 17-7 to lead. But, Eddie, this is, yeah, when, yep. this is when Andy Reid does his wizardry. This is when he does it. And even though they weren't getting the ball to start the third quarter, the second half, on that play, Kelsey threw his helmet because Kelsey wanted to go for it. He didn't know that there was going to be a fake punt. He started losing his mind, and then Mahomes' his best play of the game as he kept the play alive here. And Kansas City was just looking for anything, three points. And how about this gift on Christmas? How yeah. about that? Yeah. Missing a chip shot. As the time is winding down, the Raiders will get the ball to start the third quarter up 10 points. But we, we talk about taking the Chiefs' best punch, JT, and if you're a fan of this team, especially at the end of that first half, you go, I've seen this movie before. I know exactly how this goes. And yet, did the Raiders get a little lucky that yeah. they, the Chiefs missed the field goal? Certainly. But you put yourself in a position to even have that opportunity. And the opportunity on third and one here, they're in their own zone as they try to go for it here. Typically, this is when Kansas City uses some motion. Mm-hmm. They'll run it. And then what are they doing here? Look at the score, fourth and one. Uh, That's when I knew Andy Reid was here. Andy Reid didn't have a lot of confidence. He knew the Raiders were playing well. They go for it here and try to pick up the first down. This is when Mahomes, I thought, and Kelsey and Andy Reid said, we got our hands full with the Raiders. We got to go for it in our own end. It's so funny, JT, because I feel like every time we we play the Chiefs, I go, man, I am so taken aback by just how slippery Mahomes is, right? We we don't give him enough credit for what he does with his legs. But, I mean, make no mistake about it. I mean, look at it. Mahomes is the leading rusher for the Chiefs, and certainly not by design. But give the guy credit for doing what he did. Two plays in a row, third and five and fourth and five, where Mahomes wasn't on target. I thought right here it was going to be P.I. against yeah, the Raiders. It wasn't. Look at the pick here by Kelsey. That's a good call. You don't get was, those calls at Arrowhead. You don't get those calls if you're the silver and black in Arrowhead and the Raiders got it. It was so right. funny because I was thinking the same thing, JT. I was yeah. like, when was the last time we had that play go, or have that call go in our favor as opposed to against us? 
This was big. Zeus running hard here in the second half. He went right. I told Eric Allen also, run him the next play left. And this is when I started to feel, because the Raiders didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. So clearly Antonio Pierce, and I'll talk to him tomorrow about it exclusively, there must have been a decision that we're not going to throw it anymore. We're just having a bad day. It's not working out here. You got Devontae, one reception, Mm -hmm. four yards. They decided to go with Zeus the rest of the way. It works out. Kansas City down 20-7. to Eddie, I didn't like the math. I didn't like the math on this. You know me. I'm saying, oh, my God, if they score two in a row and convert on the extra points, the Raiders can lose by one. And a lot of people at Arrowhead thought the same thing. Yeah, and we talk about it again and again, JT. We knew we were going to get the Chiefs' best effort. The Raiders' defense was going to have to stand up, and that's exactly what they did. Certainly a a big play here. But, I mean, goodness gracious, it it was one of those, it feels like a bigger moment than just a single win at Arrowhead for this Raiders team. Now, Malcolm Koontz had a big game. He had three sacks. Watch this coming up here, and if you're looking at the pressure, this is a good hit on this play on third and goal. And I'm saying to myself, what are they going to do here? Now it's fourth and goal, and Max comes across, Kuntz is there, the pressure, and boom, they don't get it. This is typically where Kansas City makes a play yeah. against the Raiders, or there's a pass interference there, which it wasn't because it wasn't. That's where I was hoping the refs wouldn't take a cheap flag and make it first and goal. Yeah, at the I mean, we talk about a complete defensive effort, right? The rush working in tandem with the coverage on the back end, and that was it. That was the, the per- your Patrick Graham, you say, yes, this in a big moment, that's how it's supposed to be. And then Bo Hardegree was just basically calling runs. Yeah. Because Hunter could have made this catch. I think he should have made that catch. He didn't do it. Kansas City gets it back on a fourth and one in their own end. This could be the game. The Raiders get a clean stop. Look at Mahomes here. This is what he does. Right here, you knew he was going to get the first down. Classic Mahomes. If the Raiders get the stop there, no doubt the game's over. No doubt. Mahomes keeps it alive, and they're still alive in this game here. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, you know, until the clock hits triple zeros, you have that little thing inside you that goes, oh, gosh, here we go again, here we go again. But it was not to be on Christmas Day in, at Arrowhead. Yeah, this is probably the worst coverage of the day of the Raiders on this big completion that got him inside the 10-yard line here. They just left him, let him go. Look, yeah. let, let him go. Hobbs let him go, and then the pickup was late on this play. Jack gets juked a little bit on this one, and James picks up another Almost 20 yards on the play. So at this point, I figured Kansas City is probably going to score here. Now, what happened on that play, Malcolm went for the ball instead of the sack. If he goes for the sack, I think also the game could be over. Watch this again. He comes around. He's clean. He tries to strip the ball instead of just taking Mahomes down. Mahomes finds a touchdown here. And then the math comes into play in my favorite rush of the year yep, right here. There it is. This. There it is. I mean, we talk about it. Like, Antonio Pierce talks about it a lot over the past couple of, days, couple of days, JT, where he goes, look, everyone in that building knew we were going to run the ball. And the fact that we were able to do it shows you exactly what kind of team this, what, yeah, this is. Yeah, there's no way you could throw it at that no. point. They just couldn't convert. So Zeus closes it out, and he just doesn't do it on this play. He does it on the following play. Yeah. He has two runs. And two first downs that just soaked out all the timeouts here. Uh, look at this play. Look at the hole that was set up and the block on the edge by Jacoby Myers. These receivers block well. This put the game away with 220. And then, as Coach said, the favorite thing about Aiden, he takes three consecutive kneel downs and we win the game. Best play in football, JT. But how's this for Zamir Whiteline? 22 carries, 145. Averages over six and a half yards a carry. I, I mean... Going into a game, you know, when you knew that the Raiders were going to have to establish the run. To that extent, I did not think it was going to happen. But a huge credit to that offensive line, huge credit to Zamir, and a lot of credit goes to Aiden too for putting him yeah. in, a, in a position to succeed there. An awesome effort across the if board. If you told me before the game that the Raiders would be 0 for 3 in the red zone, 3 at 12 on third down, and 48 yards passing, I think they lose by 30. Yeah. But the big stat 
No turnovers. That's 157 on the ground. That saved the day for the silver and black. And, of course, the defense. The defense was spectacular. Yeah, again, JT, the, the defense has been the catalyst for success for 2023 for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, Patrick Graham, I say it every week, Patrick Graham deserves so much credit for what he has done this season, week after week after week with a rotating cast of characters. And, man, they showed up in the biggest moment, in the biggest way, on a national, in front of a national audience on Christmas, and it's, it's huge. You know, I'm trying to think of what's the highlight of the year so far for the Raiders. Well, it's obvious it's 63 yeah. points. That's a franchise record. But that's close. Winning really in Kansas close. City is something that this organization will build on in the offseason in this rivalry. Raiders still have a lot of football to play against Indianapolis and Denver. There's breaking news on Denver. We'll get to a little bit later on coming up. But the key is they have the tape, they have the victory, and they have the memory. You know, Max with the cigar at Arrowhead. And they're in the locker room and they're celebrating before they get on the bus to get to the plane. That stays with an organization. That stays with your captains. They needed that. The Raiders are having a pretty good year on the back end of the season after a regime change. This is something that they could build on. It's real. It's tangible beating the Kansas City Chiefs. 100%. Our friend Vic Tafer had an awesome tweet after the game, JT. He goes, imagine if I told you at the beginning of the season that the Raiders would win in Kansas City without Josh Jacobs, Chandler Jones, Colton Miller and Devontae Adams would have four yards receiving. That just speaks to you know the the buy-in that this entire roster one to fifty-three has in Antonio Pierce. It speaks to the effort they're playing with, and this is a pretty darn good football team. There's no debate on the buy-in. There's none. none. There's no debate on the fans and this interim head coach. Everybody's on board. It's a great place to be. The Raiders are alive, heading into Indy with more than a puncher's chance. They're going to play a team. Right in front of them. Yeah. They win the game. They leapfrog Indy with the tiebreak. This is a big game coming up. We'll get into it with Lincoln Kennedy. The Pro Bowler will join us on the other side as you're watching and listening to Raiders Roundtable. talk about ill intent, violence, physicality, execution, the will to win. Look at that second quarter. What do we say we're going to do? In the second quarter right away, two defensive touchdowns, seven seconds. Third quarter, come right back out, do what we do. And then we say in the fourth quarter, finish them. Finish them. Offense, hell of a job. Zamir, hell of a job, man. Goddamn Jermaine go down. I look around, I see a big 6'8 brother run down the side, grab his helmet. Cone grab his ass in there. He going to get Oh. Hey, man. You know, it ain't been done a lot around here doing what we just did. Yeah. But we believed. Think about what I said. I will. We will. I believe. We believe. Goddamn it, this is what the hell we do. The smoke on the talk on the Raiders goddamn way. Jack, talk to us a little bit about emotions. Emotions are a huge part of this game of football we play, a part of your game. How are you able to be emotional and still be able to make those plays from the first quarter to the fourth quarter? Uh, you, 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 never, you never get too high or you never get too low. You know, you, you stay in the middle and you stay level-headed and you just go out there and execute. You know, it's, it's never too much. We, we went out there and we practiced these plays, you know, a hundred times would it feel like throughout the week. So you don't overthink it. You just go out there and play and execute. 
Hey, Jack, Kelsey threw his helmet. Mahomes was pointing at his teammates. You're a guy. You're an alpha. You get in their face. Did you feel the crowd wasn't into the game because you took the crowd out of the game? What was it like? Take us through that fourth quarter when they were chirping at each other, they weren't able to get big plays going, and you were shutting them down. What was that like? Yeah, when they start breaking down, you know, from the inside out, you know, then we got them there, you know, and, and we knew that once we seen, you know, Mahomes getting heated, you know, uh, Kelsey throwing his helmet, we seen all that stuff, you know, we was like, we, we got them right where we want them. So just keep stepping on their neck, keep going hard, keep executing, keep trusting a man next to you. Hey, Jack, uh, I know about your story, you know, from SC to ASU to the Patriots and now with the Raiders, your relationship with uh, Coach AP. Talk to us a little briefly about where you are right now as a football player. Man, I could drop a tear, man. It's, it's special, man. It's, it's a special moment, man. Shout out AP. You know, without AP, you know, who I don't know what this would look like, man. You know, from, from the start of it to now, you know, we still going. We still got a, a whole future ahead of us, man. But, man, I, man, I, I can't even put in words what AP meant to me, man. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable. Eric Allen got him emotional on that question there. As we bring in the great Lincoln Kennedy, who's on the call with Jason Horowitz in Kansas City. Lincoln, we all had late Christmases. You had a late, late Christmas night, but that was a nice present for you as you came home to the family after that win. How did it feel? Oh, man, JT Eddie had me singing all the way to the airport. Oh, happy days. <laughs> and look, you know, it, it, you know my disdain for the Kansas City Chiefs, yes. okay? And make no secret about it. But the fact is, is that they finally, the Raiders finally answered it. And they answered in such a traumatic way, a way that I was speechless on radio. How many times have you seen two touchdowns in seven seconds? You don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, including a, a big man doing the rumble and in in uh, into the end zone. So you know, it was a, it was a great time. And I just, you know, here's the thing, guys. We do a lot of these. We talk often, and you know, we do our various hits for various other venues around. I don't know how you can really put your finger on what happened or what transpired when AP took over. You still have the same players, you know. For the most part, you know, defense has definitely risen far far beyond my expectations coming into the season. I didn't expect them to be that lights out. And I'm so proud to see the development of other players. I've seen Merrick have a good uh, year. I've seen Malcolm Coons come along. You know, you've seen all these things. Of course, you know what you get with uh, Max Crosby. But more importantly, the belief in the system, the generated passion, the the, the sort of excitement that has been rejuvenated into this team since AP has taken over. You can't really put your finger on one thing or the other. But you know what? It feels good right now. You know, Link, one thing that I think the three of us have a healthy uh, respect for of this place is the history, right? Why the history of this place matters, uh, why the players and the coaches that walk these hallways matter in a very real and substantive way. Link, when you hear the way that Antonio Pierce talks, when you hear the way that these Raiders talk, they have that swagger bag, right? You hear Jack Jones talking about the finishing. We have the great sound bites. As an alumni of this place, like, what does it mean to you to kind of see that, that boisterous energy back, Lincoln? You know, I was asked, you know, a, a while ago on um, another show that, you know, what does it mean about coaching? Why, why is, you know, when you look, think about a coach, what do you think about? And my short answer is I don't care who he or her might be. I just want to win. And I think a lot of players feel that way. You just want to win. You want to feel good about yourself. Look, for whatever energy wasn't present when Josh McDaniels was in the office, it is what it is. We know that the past has. This team is playing different now. And so as an alumni, I'm proud to see them happy. I'm proud to see them uh, feel good. More importantly, I was proud to walk through 
Arrowhead through the locker room and have, you know, Kansas City Chiefs players can, are they smoking cigars in our locker room? Oh, that was their Super Bowl. It might very well be, but you know what? We finally kicked your ass and I'm happy about it. So I don't care who's coaching and I don't care how you put a finger on it. I'm just glad it happened. Lincoln, it was an important win for a lot of reasons. We'll stay with Antonio Pierce. He's not a play caller on offense and defense. Right. Bo Hart agree. And obviously Patrick Graham, but he's a master motivator. He enables his players to come to him and say, this is what I do best. And then he follows up, well, how about we try this? The communication is much better. The players believe they have a voice with the interim head coach. And they want to talk to him. And they, and they know the coach is going to listen. And they're going to change the philosophy from game to game. Instead of following a specific game plan, that was not going to be deviated from. And nothing against the former coach. That was his style. That's the style of the former coach. We're going to put this game plan in. We're going to run it, and we're not going to change everything. It's different around here now. The players have a voice. Can you recall a time in your career where you had coaches where you could go to them and say, I want to do this because I think it's going to work better than what we've been doing? Secret be told, guys, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather have my head coach just a game manager not a play caller. Okay. I don't want him calling offenses. I don't call, want him calling defenses. Interesting. I want you to manage the game. Case in point, there was an instance where the defense was a little bit on its heels. They were a little bit, there was a little bit of confusion out there. Rather than still forced to play, AP called a timeout. And he simply called the defense over. He's like, come on over, calm down, let's get back focused. That's what a coach, head mm-hmm. coach, is supposed to do. Manage the game. You need to manage the level of emotions from your players. He made a reference in the locker room that when Colt Miller went to grab his helmet, when Jermaine Illuminor, you know, went down, how quickly he was. You need a game manager that causes that my type of motivation, that sees that, speaks on that, because that carries out through the locker room. And guys sort of, it becomes infectious. The attitude, you know what? The passion becomes infectious. And I've always believed that, a, a, you know, a team takes the personality of his head coach. Be demure, be active, what have you. We've seen guys, players as coaches, former players as coaches, fail in the past. We've also seen coaches struggle around to try to relate to the current players. It might not be a difference. The thing is, is that AP and his staff has found a way to open these guys up just a little bit more. And we're getting a reaction to where now you've got more than the usual pieces involved. Because if you would have told me that we wouldn't, we would have beat Kansas City in 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 in, in Kansas City without scoring an offensive touchdown, I was like, "Who? Are, what planet are you on?" But they finally got a way to get to Mahomes. Frustrated the hell out of him. And what you know was curious. Again, it's funny to me is that um, Patrick Mahomes and his family were on the, the the little cart that Jason and I rode to get out of the stadium, and he looked had pissed. And I looked so happy as I was looking back at him and his wife. You know, Merry Christmas. I can't say the rest because we keep it clean, all right? Yeah, that. That's a good Lincoln story right there. Yeah, Link, JT and I have talked a lot this morning about kind of the context of this win, right? What this means in the big picture for the Las Vegas Raiders, right? You go into Arrowhead, a tough place to play, a place you haven't won in a long time, and you do it without your full deck of cards, right? You know, you're, you're kind of putting together this offensive line, but the Raiders find a way to win. You talked about doing it without an offensive touchdown. When we zoom out of 2023, Lincoln, what do you think that this mean, uh, this win will mean, this win on Christmas in front of a national audience, uh, you know, taking down the big bad Chiefs at home? What do you think that this means for the Raiders going forward? Well, we, we only have to wait and see because the Raiders still have something they could play mm-hmm. for. They had to, they have to win out and obviously, you know, get some help somewhere else. But the, the fact is that they have a chance to, to get into the playoffs and that would ride high. I'm, I'm drawn back to a story during our Super Bowl run year. 
We came out the gate as a team and won four straight, beating people up. Then we lost four straight. And, and JT and, and Eddie, yeah. I have to tell you, when we were in that losing streak, no one could figure out what was going wrong. But then we went to Denver. And you know what the transitional point was? When Rod Woodson yes. intercepted that pass for a touchdown. That totally changed all of our attitudes. We beat Denver that night, and then we went on a run all the way to the Super Bowl. I say that to say this. There was a thorn in my side in my career, for most of my career with the Raiders, and that was the Denver Broncos. And when Mike Shanahan was there, we, we couldn't find a way to beat him. When we finally did, we made a transition. We started going to the playoffs, started winning football games. I think this might be a key moment for the Raiders to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, to end that, what, seven, eight-game losing streak, whatever it was, and come back in the way that they did it, take the crowd totally out, frustrated the stars, everyone, all the Swifty fans and everything there else. There we go. Everybody that was in the audience, you know what? Frustrated the hell out of them, and it was on Christmas. Until that point, the Kansas City Chiefs had never lost a Christmas Day game. Uh, Link, you make sense yeah. of that because that is historic right there. We came off a game where they they broke the franchise record with 63. Eight players right. scored. So you look at that, and that's enough for the whole season. Yeah. That's a stat game. How about this stat? This is one of the greatest stats of all time. Consecutive games with two defensive touchdowns. That's the first time that's happened in Raiders history. Let me remind wow. you, this team has had Ted Hendricks, Lester Hayes. Mm -hmm. right? You go back to Ronnie Lott. Go to all the players who've worn the silver Willie Brown. Black. Yeah. Willie Brown, perfect example. This is the first time in franchise history. Lincoln, AP's got some franchise history moments. We're talking in two and a half weeks. So something's going well, right around here, which is really important historically just for the regular season. You know, I think what's historic, what's promising in that comment that you just made, JT, is the fact that this team is not the Oakland Raiders. They're not the L.A. Raiders. They're the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. And you've got a lot of guys in that locker room who, you know, not they're not, you know, in, in, ignorant to the history of the organization, to the Shield, but they want to create their own history. They want to start making their own history. And look, it starts with the promising stadium, beautiful Legion Stadium. It starts with the Raider Nation always behind you. And now you have an opportunity to, to build on this reputation, a tremendous win against a division rival, record-breaking win. And then you follow it up the next week with a win on the road in Kansas City. You're building, you're making yourself historical and, re and respected in, in the process. You know, like we have talked so much for very good reason about Max Crosby, everything that he has meant to this defense in 2023. But we got to talk about some of the guys in the secondary, in the secondary, particularly Jack Jones. I mean, we talk about a back-to-back -back week link, and here's a good one for you. Uh, uh, Jack Jones, the first Raider to have a pick six in back-to-back -back games since our very own Eric Allen yes, in 2000. Eric. I mean, when Jack Jones is playing an incredible brand of football, we see the emotion, we see how much it means to him, Link. When we look at some of the instincts that Jack is playing with, some of the big play potential that Jack has. What stood out to you about him? How about them Sun Devils, huh? EA yeah. and Jack Jones. Yeah, how about that? You know what? The, the, the most beautiful play I've ever seen was when he picked that yeah. pick six in the Charger game. I mean, for him to read the tunnel screen, to see Eckler go in motion, and to have the wherewithal to jump the route to where he's in the backfield and he's picking it off with his backhand. That shows you how fast he was back there. And he's had the, the concentration to carry it into the end zone. Come on now. Come on, that, that, just you, you can't put into words the, the and then the very beautiful read that he had in, in Kansas City. This was when we had talked in the past, guys, about if, whether or not we had the personnel 
to play Patrick Graham's style of defense. This is what I was referring to. This is what I was hoping that we would have got from Peters and stuff like that, having to make that situation go away the way it did. But it didn't happen. And Jack Jones is making the best of his opportunity. Yeah. Because uh, I, I believe you got some stability in his position. And I believe Nate Hobbs, to me, is more impressive and, and import, impotent as a slot corner rather than an outside corner. And I think Bennett and, and, and Meek Robinson is also having a good year over on the other side. So I, you know, I'm proud of the way the secondaries responded to the challenge before them. Yeah. So we look at Jack Jones here four games, 20 tackles, two interceptions, and two touchdowns. That is all Antonio Pierce. All of it. I don't know how yes. you make the move like that. He's able to pull it off. That's another building block for AP going forward here. You know, I look at the defense. I often say Lincoln on the radio. I look at the roster going forward. I just care about Indianapolis this week, who we're going to get to in a moment. Certainly. But going into next year, I said you know, the defense I didn't think was going to be the strong point of the state. No, I no thought the did. offense yeah. was going to be no, incredible. Right. But we're looking at Jack Jones' stats, and he was claimed by the Raiders off waivers. In week 11. Mm-hmm. So this was a really solid move by Antonio Pierce and those who made the decision and scouted this. But this is one less player the Raiders have to get next year. And if you look at the addition of Robert Spillane, I was here when Nick Witkowski came in. There was other players you yeah. thought were going to be here. They weren't. So I'm looking into next year saying this team might only need one more draft on defense and one more free agent class. And I'm only talking one or two players, not six or seven, right. which has really been the framework around here for the last couple of years. They're really close, Lincoln, on being an offense going into next year that is going to be one of the premier def- excuse me, defenses in all of football. I'm talking only one or two players, not six or seven. Did you expect that once the regime got let go and the coach got fired? I didn't. No, I didn't. You know, the thing was, is I, I remember on defense, I remember, you know, when Patrick Graham got hired, I was like, okay, he's brought over because he had a formula that showed success against Kansas City. And ultimately, who were we trying to beat? We're trying to beat Kansas City. And you've seen over the past couple of games how this defense has come alive. The energy has revitalized and kept this team, the Raiders, in the games. I mean, you go back to the 3 nothing loss to, to the Vikings. The defense kept you in the game. It wasn't a blowout. Uh, so the defense has played profoundly well and, and far beyond my expectations coming to this season. And I think you might be right to the key to JT. I think you might have to fine tune the depth on a couple places on defense, but Divine Diablo has been a pleasant surprise. You know, I already spoke to Trevor Mar- Merrick mm-hmm. and how I've been impressed with his play this year. And I think he he got progressively better because the criticism that I exploited, explained of him before, he's shown signs that he's worked on and playing promising. And he's around the ball a lot. So, you know, I like the way the defense is and the attitude that they've got right now. It's going to be a matter of whether or not they can sustain it. You know, Link, going into this season, you know, one of the big questions about this defense is who's going to be there for Max Crosby on the defensive line? Who's going to be his other guy? Who's going to be his running mate? Well, Malcolm Kuntz has five sacks in two weeks, right? Malcolm Kuntz is playing out of his mind. When we look at Malcolm now and kind of the slow evolution of Malcolm Kuntz, Lincoln, what has really kind of been the difference for him, not only the past couple weeks, but really let's call it the past six weeks as he's, you know, kind of begun ascending and having more pressures on the quarterback at a consistent rate? Coming into this season, Malcolm Kuntz developed a second move, and he developed a counter move, which was absolutely essential. 
to his progression, okay? And I also believe that he kind of took a slap in the face from saying, well, you drafted Tyree Wilson in a big, you know, in a big number in the, the top 10 draft choice. You had Chandler Jones here, who's a big name, you know, free agent. You, Everybody's passing me over. This is my time to shine. And I knew he would have that opportunity. I can't remember which game it was uh, when I first mentioned it to Jason that I expected Malcolm to have a big game. It's because, I think it was the Charger game. And maybe it might have been the Charger game because, no, it wasn't the Charger game. It was another one. Anyways, long story short, the reason why is because they had a tackle who was replaced their left tackle was replacing an injured guy and he struggled speed moves and Malcolm ran right around him got a sack and that was one of one of the one of the tackles in the night and playing very well and got ramped the energy up and so with seeing that and seeing him come along now you see the effectiveness of of a Max Crosby because people have to pay attention to number 98 so they're going to be double team and triple teams. Well, you can't double team everybody. And you've got production out of Adam Butler and John Jenkins on the inside, along with the other guys, Hillary and stuff like that. You more importantly see production out of the new NASCAR package where they have the three defensive ends and one defensive tackle in there to, to rush the quarterback. You've seen the production of that. Main reason that's successful, the coverage on the back end. So these guys are playing and they're playing compatible football is what I like to say. Defensive line, get a rush. We'll cover back here in the secondary. We'll all feast. And that's exactly what this defense has done over the past couple of weeks. Wow, that's great Lincoln Kennedy mm-hmm. insight. And, Eddie, you've talked to Malcolm, so you know yeah. him. Let me stay on that for a second. This is a very important point that needs to be made. It's the new regime. That's it. It's the new regime here because of the addition of Tyree Wilson. If I'm Malcolm Koontz, I'm saying, wait a second. Chandler Jones is gone. Tyree Wilson's going to take my time away. He's the seventh pick overall. You're not thinking about Malcolm Koontz when you take Tyree Wilson. Tyree struggled out of the gate, still kind of finding his own. Malcolm says, I want that job. That's my job now. I like that in a building. It puts pressure on Tyree Wilson to figure out what his career is going to look like moving inside. How does he get on the field? And Malcolm Koontz could look around saying, I'm not going anywhere. This is my job. I think that's what great teams have. Lincoln said it perfectly. You had Chandler Jones paid a lot of money, a potential to be in the Hall of Fame, and you have Tyree Wilson drafted. And Lincoln, it did not affect him. They've talked about this at a press conference recently where Coach said all of the great practices that he built, all the building blocks of those practices, he showed the tape, and obviously Patrick Graham saw it, and they were like, wow, new player. So, Lincoln, you've seen this as a professional athlete. A lot of guys get down and they check out, and they get moved off an organization, i.e. Jack Jones. In New England, he comes here, he has new life. I love what you said about Malcolm Koontz. He wants this job, he doesn't want to lose this job, and he's playing like an all-pro the last couple of weeks. Sometimes it takes a fresh start. And Jack Jones, yeah. you know, I, I can share similar circumstances coming from Atlanta to Oakland and finding finding my way to being a Raider. But for Malcolm, look, I was so impressed with his development. And I do think it, it's healthy competition when you have that. When you have that sort of, you know what, I'm going to rise above because I want to be recognized. I want to be greater. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that out of that young man because he's given it all. Look, I still hold fast that Tyree Wilson is going to be good. Yeah. It's just going to take some time. He's got to learn his way around the NFL. In the meantime, you can't stop. Time doesn't stop. We still got to play football, right? Mm-hmm. And so you got other guys that are coming along and guys that are making a name for himself. I've been impressed with, you know, Tillery's restraint because sometimes his emotions gets the best of him and gets him in trouble. You know, there's been a couple of times where he came close, but you talk about collectively how this defense has functioned. You know what you're going to get out of number 98. You're just hoping that you can bring maybe three, four, five more other players along to have that production. I think we've seen that in the second half of the season, guys. 
You know, Link, is there an element sometimes that we we skip over? It just takes a little bit for certain players to get rocking. I mean, we look at Malcolm. He's, he's just 25, right? This is not a guy who is, who's on the back nine of his career, but this is a guy we talk about his opportunity, and, and we've talked to Malcolm a bunch in the past couple weeks, and a guy who just seems more comfortable in his own skin, Link, and a guy who seems more comfortable being a professional. Uh, is there an element of sometimes it just takes certain guys a little bit of time to get comfortable uh, and really be able to see that kind of a transition onto the football field? There's time. There's also you got to be in the right system mm-hmm. for you. It's got to be absolutely conducive to your talents and your athleticism. And more importantly, you've got to be around an attitude where you can thrive or feel that you can thrive. If you feel constrained, or you feel bent down or you feel like, you know what, I really don't want to be here because I don't like the atmosphere. I don't like the locker room. I don't like the team. The guy next to me stinks. You're not going to you're not going to think about playing. You're thinking about all these other intangibles, and and what this team has been able to do is been able to focus. And I still believe that this game is you know 80% mental. So if your mental is not in it, if you had a bad day, who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like Patrick Mahomes, he was sad he couldn't spend Christmas Eve with his kid. He's not totally focused, and that's why he played the way he did. So yeah. it is what it is. Uh, let's I guess, get to, but I, feel yeah, I got you. Let's get to the running game led by Zamir White. Uh, 22 attempts, 145, 6.6. Yards per carry there, and that is the most by a Raider since twenty in in twenty twenty three. You know him, Lincoln. You see him in the locker room and warm ups. He's a big guy, and if you don't hit him yeah. at the line of scrimmage, and he guesses right and hits the right hole, linebackers and safeties who come and have to slow him down. I noticed on all those rushing yards as we looked at the tape. He was finishing those off. He was throwing in the yes. shoulder. He was leading with his head, trying to get another yard or two. That's really refreshing. What do you do with this guy going forward? He's on fire. Well, well, first of all, let me tip my cat cap to offensive line coach Priscilla, Coach yeah. Priscilla. Mm-hmm. All right. First, let me tip my cap to him. I had, had we had a chance to speak in, in Kansas City a little bit, and well, that'll be a little bit. I'll, I'll finish that point in a moment, but I would definitely want to tip my hat to him and the job that he's done. As as far as Zeus is concerned, this goes back to a very similar situation, like with Malcolm Koontz, a guy who's getting his opportunity. He knows he's playing next to Josh Jacobs. He knows that Josh Jacobs, you know, wants a big contract and wants to have a future here. He knows, but he also knows that he was drafted here for a reason to come and play. And the big thing is, is that you now you have. Rather than maybe Josh Jacobs wasn't thinking it was going to be running back by committee. Maybe the coaches were, the coaching staff at the time said, we got to have a couple of guys. That's why you have, you know, Abdullah. That's why you have Zeus. You have these guys in your backfield. But more importantly, you give a guy a chance when he makes, he gets the best of his chance and makes the best of it. That's, that is a good player. That's what you want to look for. That is leadership. And that's what I'm talking about. That infectious part to the locker room, you know, that, that people see, you know, Zeus gets his opportunity to go out in Kansas city. You know, first couple runs aren't as productive as he might, but he stays with it. And you know what? He's absolutely critical in the fourth quarter to ice the game. Now, going back to that coach, that com- the conversation I have with Coach Casillo, Casillo, here, here's the thing. I thought Thayer Munford coming into this year still needed probably another year of development. I didn't think he was there yet, especially when you talk about the speed that's on our division alone at outside linebacker. I didn't think he was. But – Thayer Mumford has come a long way mm. in his development. He is playing impressively well. And I, you know what? I tip my cat to Coach Priscillo because here's his, he finally figured it out. This team is a better man-blocking team with Thayer Mumford on the field than a zone-blocking team. And those runs that you saw against the Kansas City Chiefs were man-blocked. You have to bring in a receiver like they did, you know, 
they showed a couple of times, whether it was Devontae Adams or, you know, uh, uh, Myers and stuff like that. You had to bring them in and then help out inside the box. But more importantly, once you broke that line of scrimmage, there's no one left. Josh Jacobs did it earlier in the season. We saw the same thing against Samir White and, with Samir White in, in uh, Kansas City. It's the same run, same philosophy. Man, man blocking at the point, and you're going to have to break an arm tackle. Big backs like that don't have a problem with that. That's paid big dividends for the Ra- Raiders and Kansas City. You know, Link, we look at the past two weeks. Raiders are averaging 140 yards per game on the ground. I know it's a small sample size, but you look at that, and it's with all these moving pieces on the offensive line. Thayer's in, Colton's out, Andre's in, Andre's out, Parham's at center. Uh, you have a, a second-year uh, running back, a rookie quarterback. Like, kind of just put in perspective for us how, like, how impressive it is that the Raiders have been able to move the ball, do it consistently on the ground, with all of these moving pieces swirling around them. It's impressive that the coaches have made the adjustments that the players can thrive at. That's the best way to put it. The players are now playing better because they've been put in a position. They've been coached with the amount of confidence that, hey, look, this play is going to work. And now it works. And you see the you see the response. You see the, the, the pullback. I mean, the payoff for it. The fact is that you can get the, that type of production in the last two games against divisional opponents shows you the possibility what you could do moving forward. And let's not forget it. This should be a run first team. Run first and open up the pass. I know we've got Devontae Adams. I know we've got the you know Michael Mayer working when he's healthy. We got Jacoby Myers. I I get that. You know what I'm saying? But this is a run first team with this big offensive line, and that will help you establish a run. More importantly, that will help you build confidence in your young, thriving quarterback because every quarterback's best friend is always a running game. Well, what we enjoyed the most was the frustration by Kansas oh, City. Yeah. This is beautiful. We've been throwing <laughs> helmets. Mahomes is yelling at teammates, and this has been building. This has been building because of the drop. Heading into this, I I told Coach Pierce here that they were dropping the ball, but they're open. When they drop the ball, they're open. That's how good Kansas City is. In this game, they were covered a little bit stickier and tighter by the Raiders. But look at Mahomes screaming at his teammates. And Kelsey threw his helmet on a play. And Andy Reid had to bump Kelsey and tell him to wake up. Look at that. Kelsey just throwing it because he didn't know, nor he should have known, that there was a fake punt. So he wanted to go for it on fourth down. He throws his helmet. Andy Reid basically jumps in here, and look at this. Gives him the shove. When was the last time you saw that? How about never? And you saw this happen with Pacheco. They, everything that could go wrong on the sidelines went wrong. Lincoln, you're in the booth. I don't know how much you caught it live during the game, but now as you're looking at it and looking at this team chirping at each other, why is this happening to Kansas City? You know what? Here, here's the thing. When – I had a conversation with a Kansas City Chiefs fan on, on the way to the game uh, when I was in the airport. And they were complaining about that, that, that penalty, the offsides that was called. And I was like, first of all, it's not a complex game. If he was offsides, it's offsides. And secondly, I'm like, why are you guys complaining? You just won a Super Bowl back in February. You would become so spoiled that you guys cannot take a loss. And everything has to be something wrong. Look, there's going to be change. People are going to catch up with you. There's going to be teams that are going to play you better because you have put yourself on the top of the mountain. So with that that frustration that you saw at Patrick Holmes, it tickles me mostly because you know what, mm. Patrick, you didn't have your best game either. You didn't there were some throws that yeah. you missed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to yell at anybody, you might want to look yeah. in the mirror first of all and say, you know what, I need to play better because it wasn't all on him mm-hmm. and it wasn't all on Travis Kelsey and stuff like that. But you're, here's the thing. You're playing against a team that is riding high. You've got a mismatch offensive line. 
and you've got the arrogance to call a trick play on your own 10-yard line. If you wanted to have all this trickery plays, oh, let's let's do this, oh, let's show off, and let's do all this stuff, and that happens, that that's exactly what you get. Right. Because there comes a point in time where you can be far more creative than you need to be in this game. It's very simple. Just play the game between the sticks and between the whistles, and you'll be fine. You know, it's so interesting. Like, we talk about the emotions, and football's certainly an emotional game, but I, I found it interesting just the duality of body language from the Raiders compared to the Chiefs. We saw the Chiefs highlights there, guys getting frustrated, throwing the helmets, you know, all, all that deal. And then you go to the Raiders' sideline, and it's the ultimate team, you know, excuse me, togetherness, right? Guys congratulating each other. Right. Max Crosby dapping every single person up. Antonio Pierce being that vocal, excited leader. I, I mean, it's just, it's so interesting, Lincoln, because it feels like so often those roles have been flipped, right, when we play the Chiefs. So we talk about what this means in the grand scheme of things. I think that, the body language element, is really important coming out of Well, and let me interrupt. Put up the body language to Taylor Swift right here. And Brittany Mahomes. You want to talk body language? Uh, not good. Look at that. Not that's good. Tears. Meme. That's a Raider meme that's going to stand around uh, until the next time they play here. But, you know, Lincoln, as Eddie said, the team's together on the sidelines. I, I said on this podcast many times, the Chicago game, I sat behind the bench 10 yards with my wife, the body language. That was it. Yeah. That, that was the end of the regime. They went into Detroit after that. It was over. And the body language of the team that was separated, no one was standing near the coach. The coach wasn't moving. And now, Lincoln, as you look down from the booth and call the games with Jason, everybody's up on the sidelines. Everyone's pulling for each other. You see the potential of where you could be. And I, I, I told Jason there's three games that I think that it would definitely change the Raiders season mm-hmm. if they had been turned around. You know, the first Charger game, the Chicago game, and the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. If the Raiders had won those three games, which they were perfectly in position, capable of doing or should have done, in my opinion, um, they would have been in a far better position than they are now. With that being said, where we are right now is you see a team on the sideline that picks each other up. I played games before where the offense was horrible. The defense carried us. Mm-hmm. Played games before where the defense was horrible. We had to go out there and carry them as an offense. Special teams had to come through. Complementary football is what blends with team success. And when you feel good, and how many times have we seen the Raiders just disheveled, you know, on, on the hands of a loss or at the hands of the Chiefs, even when they've been in a legion, not being able to get over that hump. Last year, they jumped out to a 17-point lead, I think it was, before the in, in halftime, and then ended up losing. And then this time, they had a, a lead going into halftime. But for whatever reason, couldn't close the deal or finish the thing off. I'm so proud of this team because now they are playing as a team. And you know what? They developed a swagger that the Raider Nation could be proud of because this defense is tenacious. And as we talked about, no one really expected. You expected to be the big names, you know, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs who were going to come out and make things happen. No one really expected to see, you know, with Max Crosby, but collectively how this team is playing and this defense. Jack Jones is coming on like a beast. Malcolm Kuntz is playing like a beast. John Jenkins is playing like a beast. Adam Butler. I mean, I can go through the list and tell you, point out some of the great plays that they've made so far. They're playing well. They want to be a part of this team, and they want to have, They want to be a Raider. All right, let's get to the Colts. And, Eddie, I'll start with you, and we'll bring Lincoln in. This is a team with a better record than mm-hmm. the Raiders. So everybody's flying high around here in Raider Nation. We're not playing a six- or seven-win team. Okay, we're playing a team that's got more wins than the Raiders, and they have more to play for. They're closer to the playoffs than the Raiders, and they're at home. This is not going to be an easy game. This is a team highly motivated, coming off an embarrassing loss. So, Eddie, this is a big game because you're playing a team that you can leapfrog in the standings. Raiders win this game. 
They win the tiebreaker over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, JT. This is a huge game for the Colts. The Colts have everything to play for. Absolutely. The Colts go into, I'm sure they're in the building today, and they look and they say, everything that we want is in front of us. But what's standing in front of us? The Las Vegas Raiders. We have to handle business at home, hold serve at home. Uh, and look, Gardner Minshew, he's got the Minshew magic, the Minshew mania. This is not a, a guy that you can sleep on. This is a guy that clearly the Colts, this offense, this team has rallied around. So it's no easy task for the Raiders to go east again, JT, and handle business on the road. Well, Lincoln, I said, this franchise coming this far, this far, beating Kansas City, can't lose to Tyson Bajan, Gardner Minshew, Kenny Pickens, uh, the the Vikings benched their quarterback and won the game, game 3 yeah. nothing. I mean, Link, come on. We're not talking about Mahomes here or Justin Herbert. Going up against Gardner Minshew, but their running game is the key as Jonathan Taylor has had some really big games against the Silver and Black. What do the Raiders have to do to go on the road and win this? Well, that's just it. Start first. You have to you have to continue what they've been doing like recent weeks against the run and slow that down. You mm-hmm. cannot allow them to have a balanced attack. More importantly, you have to get after Gardner. But what, what what really needs to be figured out is how you can create enough stability on offense to score touchdowns. Got to score touchdowns. Look, we wouldn't be in this position if we didn't lose to the inept Indianapolis Colts last year with Jeff Saturday as a quarterback yeah, right. and a yeah. geriatric yep, quarterback yep, yep. who ran for 45, 50 yards, whatever. Don't get me into that discussion. But we are where we are. And here's the thing. The, the amount of rate energy the Raiders have showed in the second half of this season gives me confidence that they can go in there and, and, and beat this team. They are capable of beating this team. It's not going to be easy, but, the, you, but they put themselves in this position they created the possess- this position for themselves where they have to win the final two games if they have any aspirations of playing mm-hmm. late in the January. Yeah, and Link, I think we talked about it last week about how uh, you know I got proven wrong where I said, hey, Sunday or Monday had to be a big Devontae Adams game, and obviously it wasn't. But I think that Sunday on the road in, in Indy with everything to play for, Devontae has to show up. This wide receiving core has to show up. Aiden has to be, uh, you know, do a little bit more than the 62 yards, certainly, than he had on Monday. But when you look at, at Aiden, uh, Link, what does he need to do come Sunday afternoon on the road to kind of manage this game but give, give his guys opportunities to go make plays? Well, the, the key to managing the game is don't turn over the football. And there was a case back in the Kansas City game where there were three straight plays where they were trying to get the ball to Devontae Adams. And I was sitting in the booth and I was just like, no, you don't do that. You don't put your pressure, that pressure on your young quarterback to force the ball to number 17. Look, I know he's a tremendous playmaker, but it's up to Bo Hardegree and this offensive staff to find creative ways to get number 17 involved. I like what they've done in the past. They put him in slot. They have a receiver undress the corner to where you have a linebacker and a safety cover. Now you know what the double team is going to be. The advantage should be, you know, it will be Devontae Adams over the linebacker, even the safeties over top. But you take those deep shots to keep those safeties honest. And that's what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. This is a work in progress. It's it's much like the development of a young player. And, and it is the development of Aiden O'Connell because I've seen quarterbacks that have had star receivers in the past try to force the ball and almost to a position to where it's almost turnovers. There were a couple of times where the throws were behind Devontae or weren't necessarily yeah. clean. Not saying he couldn't have caught it, but if they were turnovers, it might have turned this outcome, this football game, into a different outcome. That's what you have to prevent. So Aiden O'Connell needs to stay confident within his within his abilities, but more importantly, understand – don't force it. If it's not there, you got to have another option. Yeah, Lincoln, the problem I see here is that in the last two out of four games, the offensive passing game didn't show up. Yeah. Let's not talk right. about bad play. They didn't show up against Minnesota. One completion, no completions in the second, third, and fourth quarter. I'm talking about four-yard slants. We've had this conversation in this studio. Why is it difficult to run an eight-yard out route? 
Why is it difficult to run a three-yard slant? Devontae, one reception for four yards? I mean, this has got to be cleaned up heavy this week. You can't go into Indy and not complete 20 or 22 passes in a game. So whatever Bo Hardegree did for the Charger game, and I sat here and said it again, run the same plays. The exact same plays. Have your little scheme. Do what you want to do. But, Lincoln, you called the game. At some point, I thought AP made a brilliant move saying, this is looking bad. We're out of this. We're running the ball with Zeus, and we're going to win it that way. I don't think you can do that two weeks in a row. You can establish the run. How do you think the passing game gets going? Is it the scripted plays in the first 15? Is it adjustments? What do you expect? Well, I expect it to be adjustments. You know, you go from team to team. So Kansas City plays more bump and trail technique than anyone else in the league, which sets up a different philosophy as an offensive coordinator, what passing, what passing attack that you can do. And when you talk about the Chicago game or you talk about other games like Minnesota, because the, their linebackers don't necessarily jump the A-gaps as aggressively versus play action as others, it takes away those slant routes, and that becomes dangerous. And so here's the thing. When, when you talk about creativity into the passing game, you got to have all your facets in, in place. You got to be willing to go to Hunter Renfro when he's wide open. You got to be willing to try to throw it to Jacoby Myers when he's wide open. You don't necessarily have to always find number 17, but you also have to understand how the defense is going to play 17. If they're going to, if they're going to double team him, bracket or, or do something like that all the time, then you're going to have, you're not going to have as many opportunities to get the football to him. Understand that. But even in starting the Kansas City game, even the start of other games, when teams were playing off or showing that little soft zone and he was able to get open, those are times that you take advantage. But it comes down to this, JT, it makes adjustments mm. as the game progresses because you see how they're going to play 17. When Mayer's in there, you see how they'll play your tight end. You know, you have plenty of opportunities for our tight ends to get involved. They just haven't been, you know, seen or haven't been utilized as much as possible. All right, Lincoln, I envision you back home for New Year's Eve at your resort-style house with a cigar, a, a cocktail of your choice on New Year's Eve after a victory. So I want that text I from wish. you. I want that text from you when you're, when you're in your house, the victory's in hand, and we can celebrate New Year's together. Be well, my friend. Thank you. Same to you guys. Appreciate it. You Go Raiders. It. We got it. The great Lincoln Kennedy. He's on fire today, Spectacular man. as yeah. always. He's fantastic on all platforms, but especially this one. When we come back, we'll take a look at the wild card race, what the Raiders have to do to get the win and stay in the hunt as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. Wrapping it up on Raiders Roundtable. Thanks to Lincoln Kennedy again. All right, Eddie, let's jump in. Let's do it. There are a lot of scenarios about the AFC playoffs here. We know the Raiders need help. They have to win. Uh, The big thing to say is you beat Indy, you knock Indy out. Mm -hmm. Pretty much Indy, the Raiders would have the tiebreaker going in to the last game here. Your division leaders, man, the Ravens look good. Oh, that Niner game, they flexed their muscles. The Dolphins, they're in 11-4. I expect, you know, Kansas City could lose out. The Raiders could win out. That's a cool scenario. Jacksonville is reeling, reeling, and Trevor Lawrence is hurt. So Cleveland, hate to say it, I got Cleveland friends, but they're in. Cleveland with Joe Flacco could be one of the big stories. I expect Buffalo to get in. I'm expecting Indy to be out when we beat Indy. But here's what we need. We need losses by the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Texans, a combination in the next couple of days. We need help at the bottom of that bracket. 
Yes, yes we do. We need some help, JT. But I, I think it's important to start here, right? None of this matters if the Raiders don't handle Absolutely. business on Sunday. None of it matters. So I, I think, yes, it's a lot of fun to play with the the playoff simulator, and we need this and we need that. But I think, uh, you know, for the fan base, start with this. Start on New Year's Eve. Start with handling business in Indianapolis. And then let's get real weird. Let's get real funky when the Broncos come to town week 18. And there is a report that will say it's out there on multiple platforms that Russell Wilson's yeah. getting benched which is a massive story, but we'll wait for more of that next time on Roundtable. But either way, we still got the Broncos, and the Broncos are alive mathematically too. So there's two games in front of the Raiders that they need to win to have an above 500 record, which is very important. Very. And very important to coaches, the organization. But this organization was built on Super Bowl, Super Bowl appearances. But we're just saying Indy. Let's get by Indy, have a great New Year's Eve, and and kick back and have another week of roundtable and radio and all the platforms that you host where we can still believe and get another win. 100%. Look, I'm a firm believer, JT, until there's a little E next yep. to the team name, you have everything to play for. Certainly the Raiders have a lot to play for. Uh, and even you know, take out the postseason discussion, I think a winning record for this regime, for Antonio Pierce and his staff, you don't think uh, finishing this thing with a winning record means a lot to them? 100%. Absolutely. We want to thank all of our viewers and listeners on all platforms for an unbelievable year. We're going into New Year's Eve, and when we come back, it'll be a brand new year of 2024. So thank you very much. Everyone at Silver and Black Productions put a lot into this effort of Raiders Roundtable every week. So for Eddie Pascal, Lincoln Kennedy, I'm JT. Happy New Year, everyone, and go Raiders.